have an incredible message that I prepared for this week that will be preached next week. This week, I'd like to draw us into communion in a more focused way and just spend some, some special time in preparing our hearts for that. It's hard, isn't it? Because, you know, we're used to the tables up here and, and we're used to maybe the plates being passed and those kinds of things, but now we have these little plastic cups filled with something, right? And they're hard to open and they spill on us and all of these things, and so it can be hard to hold on to the sacred in the midst of this. But I wanna draw us into understanding exactly what this is all about, communion. It's this amazing and beautiful truth that Jesus came to die for us. And it's like, how amazing is it to consider that Jesus came to die for us? But if you were to explain that to someone, what would you say? If you had to explain why, why did Jesus have to die for us, what does that mean? And, and why did that have to happen? What would you say? See, our sin, our pride, our sin, has earned the wrath of God. And so, you see, we are ransomed by the death of Jesus. By his body and his blood, he pays the ransom for our sin. And we are ransomed from God. Because it's the wrath of God poured out on us that we need to be saved from. And, and so we are ransomed from God and we are ransomed by God because Jesus is God who took on flesh and came and died for us. And we are ransomed for God. From God, by God, for God. There's a purpose. We are ransomed so that we could give our lives to him. And I've been really wrestling the past week or so and want to share with you that. And, and I shared it in the first service and, and, and it ended up taking longer than I thought, so that's why this happens next week. We live in, in very interesting times, don't we? Masks can be very frustrating, can't they? And pretty quickly, we can begin to judge people on, on their actions instead of their hearts. One of the things I, I would love to be able to go back and, and parent my kids again because I, so, I spend so much time parenting actions instead of parenting their heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart, right? And so as we, as we look at this whole series we're in celebrating unity and diversity. And, and, and so the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that each one of us is unique and specially made. And each one of us has been created uniquely and specially and, and, and we're diverse. But we're as well called to unity in the midst of that diversity. And we're called to extend grace in the midst of that. And some of the things I've been hearing as, as far as how people are talking to each other and everything, I just really want to draw us on this communion Sunday where this unites us to ask us to stop and consider where's our focus. Seven months ago, 
on March 15th, 2020, I, I, I wrote a paper and some of you who were here on that, that was the last weekend we had service. The, the pandemic had been announced, but the services hadn't been stopped yet. And I shared this in that service, and I'd like to share it with us today because I think it's relevant. In times of uncertainty, it's, it's important for us to focus on that which is certain. As followers of Jesus, we must focus our hearts and our minds on him and on his plan for our lives and this world. It's true that the pandemic of 2020 is having a tremendous impact on all the things we have come to trust in. Seven months later, isn't that interesting? This gives us an opportunity to refocus our trust in the one who is trustworthy. We know that he's sovereign over all things and that this has not taken him by surprise. We need to stand firm. We are not of those who shrink back, as our verses of the year tell us, but we're ready for this. So let's take this time to consider how we can focus ourselves on the truth of who God is and not be carried away by the winds of uncertainty that are all around us. Now it's interesting, since I've written that, and you think back on the last seven months of this year, and you think about what has happened, you think about the hurricanes, you think about the fires. There's, one, there's a hurricane right now sweeping across Mexico, another one ready to come up the Gulf again. And, and then you've got the fires in Colorado and California. And, 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 and it's amazing, thousands of acres that have been burned and the lives that have been taken and the, and the homes that have been destroyed. And then you've got this disease and then you've got the response to the disease. And then you've got, you know, the, the, the police and the... And, 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 and the Black Lives Matter movement and the riots and the protests and, and you've got all of these things happening and it's this chaotic world that we live in. And in the Psalms I was reading this week and it said, oh Lord, you will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl as vileness is honored among the children of man. As, as vileness is honored we look at and we hear the contempt that surrounds us. The, 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 the language that, that's used as people communicate with each other. There are people all over who don't agree with each other and rather than having conversation, what happens is it's just, we, we view people with contempt and so if somebody doesn't agree with us, we just think they have no value at all. And that's influenced us and it's infiltrated us as the body. As I wrote this, I said, as we step into this pandemic, we have to be careful not to waste it. Because you see, we've been entrusted with these times. God has determined when you should be born and where you should live. Do you know that? Isn't that amazing? He is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over all of this. He's sovereign over the people who are in charge. He's sovereign over this disease. He's sovereign over these riots. He's, he's sovereign over the hurricanes. He's sovereign over all that is happening and he's sovereign over his church. And he's entrusted us with these times and this opportunity. And I said here that we waste the pandemic, but I'm going to say we waste this time that we're in. First of all, if we give way to fear and anxiety instead of resting in the faithfulness of God, he has not given us a spirit of fear. And I talk to some people who are afraid if they don't wear a mask, and I have people who are afraid if they do wear a mask. It's on both sides, so it's, it's, it, we get that. 
We have people who are afraid that we'll lose our country if we, if we, if we do these things. And these, these conversations are happening. We, we don't give way to fear. We waste this time if we allow it to take our hope. Our hope is not in what's here. We waste these times if we trust the news we hear instead of trusting in the God who holds the world in his hand. We waste these times if we spend more time focusing and researching the disease and the potential outcomes and and what's truth and what's not truth and all of those things instead of focusing on the scriptures that declare the faithfulness of God. I don't know about you, but everything I read, everything I look at, it's like, what can I trust? What's true? This one. This one right here, see this book is truth. And so I can trust this. And if I get distracted, and if I get sidetracked, and oh, can it happen so easily? One click and you're reading this article, and next thing you know, they're feeding you another article, and then you're swept away into some sort of story and narrative that is so far opposed to the narrative of a loving God who sent his son, God so loved the world that he gave his only one one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message that we've believed and it's the message that we've been saved to take out to the world. And we waste this time. We waste this time if we focus on how it's affecting us instead of the impact it's having on others, looking for ways to reach out and serve. Looking at how is this thing, you know, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. How is this affecting others, and how can we be stepping into that? We waste these times if we do not let the next generation know that we trust in God. We waste these times if we don't take this time to claim the authority of Jesus over these times and seek to make disciples. That's the mission. It hasn't changed. And Jesus is not surprised by what's happening now. We waste these times if we seek to assign blame or look for reasons outside of ourselves instead of realizing that we're in need of repentance. How many times do we think about this and we... We use our intellect, or we use our experience, or we lose our, our tradition, our heritage, and, and, and we take those things and, and use those as our authority, but our authority is the word of God. And, and if you know anything about me, you know that I have a passion that we would know the word of God, and that the word of God would not just be read by us, but that we'd allow the word of God to read us and to change us. And that the decisions we make and the things that we do are fueled and and motivated by what the word of God tells us to do. And finally, we we waste these times if if we lose heart and focus on the temporary instead of the eternal. And and seven months is a long time. Seven months is a long time. Karen was talking uh, through the internet with Eileen Kohler in the Czech Republic this morning. And she was sharing that our sister church there in Harnitsa was able to meet, but they can't sing anymore. I don't know about you, but the singing in this room was a blessing this morning, amen? But even if we can't sing, right, we can still have the word of God. If we're not careful, 
what's happened, and all of these things can distract us from Jesus. They can take our focus away from Jesus instead of allowing Jesus to distract us from the things that have happened. Last night I was looking at the, at the uh, John Hopkins page of how many deaths there have been in the world because of the coronavirus, and last night it was 1,030,000. And this morning when I got up, I pulled it up again, and it was 1,033,000. And I've been part of those who've said, well, those aren't really all COVID deaths. Some of those are this and that and the other thing, and they're not really COVID deaths. Well, maybe not, but they're all really deaths. Those people are all really dead. And if percentages are accurate, then out of those people, as many as 900,000 of them are spending a Christless eternity in hell. And that's what breaks the heart of God. You see? We take this cup and we go, Jesus died for me and here's the bread and here's the body and and here's the cup and it's like, oh, this is so good, but do you know how many people don't know that? And they're dying separated from God. And that's what matters, friends. That's what matters. Death is real. Seven years ago today, my dad died. Right about this time. but he's more alive today than he's ever been because of Jesus. And I know I'll see him again, but do you know how many people don't have that assurance? They don't know that. And we've been saved so that we can make that known. I've been sent some things. I get sent a lot of things, and they're helpful because they help me know what's going on and, and what people are thinking. And, and I've been sent some things that have told me that this is our Daniel moment. This is our Daniel moment, and what people have meant by that is that we need to stand up against a, a, a government and those kinds of things. And, and, and I understand that, that in the diversity of the body, there's some people who believe that those things are really true and that they've, they've got places from scripture that motivate them and stir them to that, amen. But when I think of a Daniel moment, my heart goes to Daniel 9. And it's to Daniel 9 that I'd like to bring us together today. Many times when we come to the table of communion, I say, examine your heart and see if there's any sin in you. But I'd like to come collectively. Individually, yes, but collectively as well. You see, in in the Old Testament, we have an example of corporate repentance, corporate lament. In Daniel chapter nine, Daniel has just, just been, it's been revealed to him by God that the 70 years of, of waiting is over that the 70 years that Jeremiah had spoken of had been completed, and that the time of the exile was over. And so you can imagine Daniel being in Babylon, reading scripture and discovering it's time. And, And you can imagine how would he respond to finding out it's time. You know, it's very true that we're closer today than we were yesterday to the coming of Christ. He's coming again, amen? 
and we're closer now, and, and it sure seems like with all these things going on, like it could be any moment, and if that's the case, then I wonder if we aren't being called to respond in the way Daniel responded. In the first year of Darius, by descent to Mede, who was made king over the realm of Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books of the numbers of years according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet that must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord and said, about time. It's not where we go with this. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting, with sackcloth, with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. We have sinned, we've done wrong. We've acted wickedly, we've rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We haven't listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in, their, in your name to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, and to the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers because we've sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we've sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against his rulers who are rulers who have ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, Lord, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as this day we have sinned and we have done wickedly. Daniel knew that God was just in dispersing the nation of Israel. And he knew that that pride had not yet been broken. And so when God revealed to him that the time of 70 years was up, he went to the Lord and he, he recognized and realized that there was still pride permeating through that nation. The exile had not drawn them closer to the Lord. And I wonder, for us, have these times brought you closer to the Lord? 
as you've tried to understand what it's like to, to school your children at home and, and one day have them in school and one day have them at home and, and tried to teach that from all sorts of different places as you've, as you've gone out into your job, as you've realized you can't buy bread without a, a mask on and, and, and you've listened to people who say, you know, mask, M-A-S-K, mark, M-A-R-K, so these are the end times and you hear all these things and you're like, what's going on? And you say, Jesus is what's going on. Has this drawn you closer to him? Or has it distracted you from him? And as we look at this and see this, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord, our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Where are we at this? Where are you with this? As you, as, you have, as you have responded in your heart, when the plane flew into the tower on 9-11, the nation fell into prayer. We keep trying to solve this on our own. We keep arguing this as far as how, how do we think about this politically, how do we think about it physically, how do we think about it emotionally. Do you know that God is sovereign over all of this and he's brought it into our time so that he can make himself known. So as we head into communion, I wonder, where's your heart in this? Is there any way that, that you've been looking at this hasn't been biblical? Has, has, has there been any way in your heart that you've been looking at these things and you've been reasoning them out for yourself? Has there been any place where you haven't been concerned about the people who are experiencing these things? People are really dying. Families are really mourning. People are being murdered. Hatred is on the rise. Anger is on the rise. Has it stirred in your heart at all? Have you given it a foothold? Has it, has it impacted you? I remember when the first shutdown order came and then it was extended. When it was extended, it was even harder than the first time. When the mask mandate came out, it was hard. And then when it was extended, it was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But you see, it's, it's a matter of what is God calling you to do? Do the masks make a difference? Do they not? Do they, you know, I mean, there's, I'm not a scientist. I, I'm, I'm not. I have people over here who I love and trust dearly who are so educated. And, and they know Jesus and they tell me, you don't need to wear a mask. I have people over here who I love and I know they love Jesus and they're highly educated and they tell me, you need to wear a mask. Who do I believe? This, this one, right? So, so I go to the Bible and I say, okay, from the Bible, do I need to be wearing a mask or do I not? And I challenge you to wrestle through that. Have you made your decision for that based on biblical truth? 
The elders have a paper out here that talks about that. See, we enter into this in humility and love and these types of things. And so, just like every business you go into, we're asking that you wear a mask when you walk into here in the public areas. And then, what does that look like? And, and what does that stir up for you? I've wrestled with this. Ooh, man. I'm not that much different than you are. And I've wrestled with this. But I'm the guy who, who doesn't like to go a mile over the speed limit because I just feel like that's what the Lord is calling us to is obedience. Last week, Saturday, I watched the, the march, the prayer march. And in the midst of that prayer march, there was a video that was shown and for some reason, that video just captured my heart. And, and maybe you've seen it. It's, it's Earth to God by John Rich. And when I watched it, all of a sudden, the numbers on TV, about the numbers of people who've contracted the virus, the number of people who are rioting, the numbers of forest fires, the numbers of people all of a sudden, those numbers became people. So I'd like you to watch the video, please. Earth to God, come in God. I know you're there, hearing our prayers wherever you are. We need you now to send your love down. Take away the pain in your holy name. We ask this now. We need your light. We need your love to heal the world you made and save us now. We're holding on, but not for long. Can you pull us all close to the Holy Ghost and keep us strong? Yeah. 
first time I heard that song, I, I thought to myself, how much of the earth is even calling out to God this time? I'm not sure that there's very much of the earth that really is crying out to God. But if they were, they'd say, we, we need your love, and, and we need you to come down, and, and Jesus did come down already. And we are his love. See, we have Jesus in us and, and we need to be stepping into this world and, and I'm not sure we've been doing that real well. I'm not sure we've been doing that the best we can. And this whole celebrating unity and diversity, I love that because I love the fact that each one of us are different but, but some of us are being nasty and that has to stop. Not all of us. So how do we do this? Do you know that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? I love that. As we come to communion, if there's any part of this that's impacted your life, If there's any part of this that's stirred in your heart, maybe, maybe you have been too focused on yourself and haven't been focused on what God needs you to be doing in the midst of this or what he's leading you to do in the midst of it. Just, we're gonna take a couple minutes of silence before we take communion together. And just, just ask the Lord to receive, to, to review that in your life. Search me, oh God, know my heart, test me. And just say, God, is there any part of this any part of this that's been my pride or my, is there anything in your life? And then ask him to pour over you his forgiveness. Just have a couple of moments of silence and then we'll move into communion together. Amen. Whew. I think that's in all I do, I honor you. Okay, so in all I do, I honor you. See, there's where it is. In the midst of all of this, as we come to God in repentance, his kindness draws us to repentance. And the greatest sin is to not be aware of your sin. And so as God draws you into repentance and, and then you, ex you ask him to forgive you, and he does, and that amazing love comes and fills you and then you're able to go forward and in all you do, honor him. And so as you look at what's happening in your life, and I know it, it stinks. I'd use a different vernacular, but I promise God I'd never use that on the platform. But it stinks and, and I get it. But listen, we get to serve the king. We get, we get to serve the king, you see. And that's what we celebrate, that more than anything in all we do, we honor him. Tonight at five o'clock, the meeting, I wanna tell you, I am so excited for what this means for the church as we move forward, not just Calvary, but the church. 
do you have any idea how incredible the opportunity is for us as we move forward in a whole new way, in a world that desperately needs to know the truth, that Jesus loves them? God, we love you. We thank you. This has been different this morning. And I pray that you've touched each one of our hearts where you know it needs to be touched, Lord. We're your children. If there's anyone here who has not yet met you as Lord and Savior, Lord Jesus, would you please stir in their hearts this morning before they leave? Would you draw them to yourself? Would you rescue them? And for those of us who have been rescued, just help us to go into a week where we worship you, where we work for you, and where we witness for you and for your glory. Amen. I love you all. I love you all, all you all. Have a great day. God bless.